Washburn here. And that moment we've been waiting for has finally fucking arrived. Bossy Power Bottom Wear is now officially live on RonnieWashburn.com. That's R-A-O-N-I Washburn.com for purchase. Bossy Power Bottom Wear. The gay lifestyle and clothing line that unapologetically describes what it means to live your best gay life and show others through your clothing that you bottom like a boss. Want to know more? Go to RonnieWashburn.com now. That's R-A-O-N-I. Washburn.com and find out for yourself what it truly means to bottom like a boss with bossy power bottom wear. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Disclaimer. What you're about to hear right now in this week's episode is probably some of the stupidest, most ridiculous, dumbest, unprepared, and embarrassing shit that I've probably ever revealed on this show, but also even though... This shit is so fucking bad. It's really that good. (laughs) And you're about to find out what I'm actually talking about right now. So what do I mean by gay walk of shame? For many of you who don't know who I am, just let me fill you in briefly. And for those of you who do know who I am, sit tight for just a moment. In 2017, I created a blog called Gay Walk of Shame, and I was so proud of it. I dove into the world of writing and basically published a journal of all of my sexual conquests, whether they be messy, whether they be deranged, whether they're hot, whether they're a joke. I felt that the general public should see that an attractive 30-something gay male has a lot of fun and has a lot of dysfunction. Oh my fucking God, I can't believe that we're doing this shit again. I mean, okay, really quick before we continue, stop adjusting your headphones. You didn't hear wrong. That was just me like two years ago on the third episode that I ever recorded titled Gay Walk of Shame. And you guessed it, folks, for the third time on this show, we're doing the Roast Ronnie series in which I go back into one of the older episodes and just read myself for filth. Once upon a time, long, long ago, I decided to create this very show, My Gay Exposé Podcast, just two years ago. And actually, come to think of it, we're actually approaching the two-year anniversary of this show, as well as the 100th 
episode ever recorded here in the next couple of weeks. And stay tuned for more information on that moving forward. But in the creation process for this show two years ago, I thought that it would be a bright idea to take my 2017 sexually explicit blog entitled Gay Walk of Shame, where I actually just depicted all of my most salacious sexual encounters of all time and published them in a journalesque form for the world to read. Except for I was such a terrible writer back then, which is why the blog doesn't exist any longer. So because it didn't exist any longer and I just completely wanted to forget all about that shit, I decided to take that information and implement it into my current blog, A Gay in the Life of Ronnie, which was just a little less sexually explicit and just a little bit more gay real life. Intermingle the two and give you this very show, my gay expose podcast. But what I didn't know back then was that I was going to be such a fucking terrible podcast host. So fast forward to almost two years later, and here I sit, ranked number 15 of the best top 200 LGBTQ plus podcasts of all time. And I'm so fucking proud of that. And I have come such a long way. But in order to keep myself humble, I decided to go back this week and do for the very third time on this show, go back into the Roast Ronnie series where I take episode number three, Gay Walk of Shame, and rip myself to shreds, read myself for filth, and just completely make fun of myself completely and entirely. Because if you can't make fun of yourself, and if you take yourself too seriously, then you are never going to fucking make it in this world. So sit back, relax, put on that condom, or pop your prep pill, and let's find out if doing a gay walk of shame back then is anywhere near as close as doing that gay walk of shame now. You are now listening to My Gay Expose Podcast a show that unperfectly describes what it's like when life has you fucked in the head while being fucked from behind. I'm Ronnie Washburn, a writer, LGBTQ plus community activist, self-proclaimed, messy, loud-mouthed, and somewhat semi-passable podcast host, popper sommelier, porn star, fluffer in training, and local San Francisco bossy power bottom that just so happens to be on the left of you on your grinder grid. And this is My Gay Expose Podcast. Ronnie Washburn here, and welcome back to the only show that you'll ever want to roast in your entire life. My Gay Expose Podcast. And on this week's episode, we actually fulfill the third installment of the Roast Ronnie series in which I go back deep, deep. And when I say deep, I mean deep. And not, in this case, 
the good kind of deep, in the archives of the episode number three, Gay Walk of Shame, that I decided to misguidedly try to exude to you and the world. And you guys, reviewing this shit, I just have to say, it's kind of crazy to kind of see how far you've come since way back when. And again, this was like two years ago. So keep that in mind as you listen through. But I have to say, I am so fucking glad that I don't sound like that shit anymore. <laughs> and also, it's it's kind of weird because in this specific episode, I got what was at the time a little X-rated. But like, as I'm listening through, it's like so not fucking X-rated. It's like, you know, when you see a rated R movie when you're 14 and then you see that very same rated R movie when you're like 26 and the content's just not as in your face as it should have been. And that's kind of how I felt when I maneuvered through this entire Roast Ronnie journey. And again, just like the last two that we did on this series, I will be making myself a cocktail just to get through. And also, I think I'll be getting a bag of popcorn just to emphasize the entertainment that I will be experiencing while roasting the actual fuck out of myself. So let's get into that gay walk of shame then and see if it is the same thing as what I would do in a gay walk of shame now. But that's what I wanted when I created the brand. That phrase, gay walk of shame. I wanted people to read the title and remember that moment where they walked down the street with the piercing bright morning sunrise, light shining, making that alcohol-induced headache pound even harder than it normally would if the light was gone. Walking home. Not knowing where your wallet is. Not knowing how you got to where you were. Oh my god, this is so already so fucking painful. Literally, I am trying so fucking hard to be so goddamn dramatic. It's so bad. And like, oh yeah, you know, you just want to go and you want to walk down the street. It's like, oh my God, shut the fuck up. Yes, we we get it. We get it in the title. It's called Gay Walk of Shame for a fucking reason. Oh God, I'm going to have to make that cocktail probably a little bit sooner than I actually expected to. Oh, what a mess. What a fucking mess. Wanting so badly to crawl into your bed and forget everything that had happened the night before. Wondering how you had gotten into that situation the night before. Who were you with the night before? Who did you sleep with the night before? What the fuck happened the night before? 
Yeah, yeah, we get it. We've all been there. Shut the fuck up. Quit trying to be so goddamn descriptive. By the way, can you guys tell that I'm kind of reading off a fucking script? If you listen in really carefully, you can hear like I'm hitting the like arrow down button on my computer as I'm reading along. I actually am, to be honest, getting a little bit better than this because you can't quite tell that I'm reading, but you kind of can at the same time. Oh, God. But at any rate, it's still such a fucking hot ass mess. Thank God. I learned how to fucking just freestyle that shit and go with the flow. And the less script to read from, the better. That's actually been the successful formula for this very fucking show. Just say it as it comes to your mind or as it fucking leaves your mouth before it actually registers in your mind. That is this fucking show. God, I'm so bad. I am so happy that I don't sound like that shit uh, anymore. But it wasn't just the sex stories that I was interested in writing about. It was also our mindsets, where we are in our lives when we go and we have sex with these boys and we date these boys and what we're thinking and how insecure we are and how attracted to some people we are and the ins and outs of everything that makes the gay world end in a gay walk of shame. God, I was so fucking consumed with boys and drama and the whole fuckery of all of it. Now, I honestly, I just don't even give two flying fucks about any of that shit. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy to see how obsessed I was with it back then and how I just don't give a shit now. <laughs> like, listen, I could go get dick whenever I fucking want. And as far as getting attention from boys... I get enough of that to just ignore on a regular basis. So I don't really even need that either. It's so crazy to literally see how, how times have just shifted in your life when you just grow. It's literally only been two fucking years. Oh, God. What the fuck? <laughs> I just can't with this shit. Okay, I gotta go make that fucking cocktail now. When I originally published the blog... I mean, it was four years ago and I was starting to get serious gigs. And so I didn't want to have any part of that sexual explicit material because I wanted to get more jobs. Now I look back and I realize that I wasn't actually being true to myself. Uh, okay, so a cocktail in hand and... You know, yes, so this actually was kind of a fear for me. I did start writing this sexually explicit blog. This was my first attempt at writing. And, of course, at the beginning, I was really, really fucking bad. But as, you know, I did it for, like, two fucking years. And so as I continued to, like, learn and grow and, like, figured out my fucking writing style, I did start to get better and I did start to get attention. And I did start to get gigs and honestly, it kind of was a fear because I know that most of these gigs came from referral type situations and I was nervous that they would actually catch wind of the fact that I did have sexually gay explicit material out there and that could potentially prohibit, you know, me from getting any further fucking writing gigs. But 
honestly, if I were to go back and do it all over again, especially considering the fact that I actually have a cocktail in my hand and have had a couple of swigs of it, and it's kind of starting to like seep in my mind, I would not give two flying fucks. Because as I sit here in this current moment, two years later from recording this original content, I actually don't give a fuck because I am the epitome of sexual explicit bullshit. Like anything that you could ever think of in this world that is the empty degree of extreme in regards to sexual expli explicit material is me. Like, if you look up sexually explicit, there is my motherfucking picture in the goddamn dictionary. <laughs> so, honestly, I don't give a flying fuck. This show has taken me to a place where I know that I'm going to be successful. So, I don't give a shit. If you don't want to work with me because I'm gay and very open-minded and candid about it, then you can go fuck yourself. And that might actually just be the cocktail talking, but really, it's not. It's the truth. It's how I feel, and it's who I am to this very day. But how do we get to that place where we, we get into these situations where we're on our gay walk of shame home? Well, in big cities such as San Francisco... Drinking in the gay community is a total thing. Did I just really ask, but how do we get to a place where we get ourselves into those situations where we do those gay walk of shame's home? <laughs> oh my God. Okay, here's the straightforward answer. Simply, you're gay. That's how. <laughs> you're gay. You love alcohol, you love dick, and that is exactly how we all find ourselves in these gay walk of shame scenarios. God, what the f Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to go make another one because I'm almost done with this one. So, oh God, how many of these can I fucking drink in this episode? Because this, honestly, I think this is actually probably the first time I'll do two in one of these Ronnie roast shit things. I can't even talk right. Oh, maybe two's not a good idea. So naturally, especially when you live in the heart of the Castro, literally two blocks away from all of the bars and clubs, it's easy for you to go out with friends, drink your face off, feel buzzed and ready to mingle. And some nights, you end up going home with a guy. And some nights, you're dangling your head over your toilet. And those famous words replay in your head. I am never drinking again. As you vomit profusely in the toilet. And then, the next day, you're taking shots with the same people who were holding your hair and your pants back. While you were vomiting the night before. Oh my god. Okay, so first of all, that was like a terrible segue into my cute little line that I'm actually kind of proud of, but it is true. I know we've all been there. When you are dangling your head over your toilet saying, I am never drinking again, which truth be told, I actually might be doing after recording this episode because here is cocktail number two. So we're just gonna... <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll just have to see how all this shit plays itself out. But honestly, I mean, seriously, though, I mean, that is very San Francisco to actually, you know, go out with your friends, like hit on boys and everything, and then end up like getting so fucking drunk that they are holding your hair back and pulling your pants up because you're so wasted. And then you do actually find yourself taking shots with those same people the very next day. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times I've actually done that exact scenario. So I wasn't wrong. That is the way it was then. And truthfully, kind of still is the way it is now. So there's that. For me, my personal insecurities that I struggle with have been a huge factor in my confidence while dating and sleeping with other guys. I mean, sure, I'm an attractive guy, but growing up as a little closeted gay boy, it took its toll. And I found myself so insecure. The older I got, the more attractive I got, the more fit I got, the more insecure I got. I mean, that definitely has not fucking changed. Like, listen, insecurity is something that we all struggle with and always will struggle with. And honestly, the only reason why I am as confident as I am, like, in this moment and looking back and realizing how much of a fucking clusterfuck this episode was, because what the fuck am I actually talking about? Like, I'm going all the fuck over the place. I just... Oh, this is so bad. But okay, yeah. So yes, insecurity is always going to be there. Even though I sound right now in this moment to be the most secure individual of all time. And maybe I'm just a little bit more secure right now because I've had a couple of drinks. It still doesn't mean that I don't struggle with my own insecurities because we all do. It's all very normal. And that's all I should have fucking said in the goddamn episode instead of going back and forth and talking about being a little boy and being attractive and what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I'm fucking over this shit. Can we just move on for fuck's sake? And then when you live in a gay city like San Francisco and everyone's hot, it's pretty intimidating but you make your way. For me, getting a grinder hookup was much easier to handle when you took a couple of shots of vodka on your way out the door. So much easier to like get into the groove of things and not be shy or nervous or upset. And as time passes, you sort of understand that that's a thing and that's what you need to get yourself through. I mean, that still holds pretty true to this day, but honestly, a couple of shots of vodka actually can get you through pretty much any scenario. I mean, church, work, funerals, weddings, meetings that you don't necessarily want to go to, group of friend scenarios where there's that one guy that you just can't really stand, but you pretend to like, really just any and all of it, like first dates, grinder hookups, I, vodka has never really let me down in any social aspect in my life. And honestly, it's actually helping me out a hell of a lot right now. <laughs> By the way, like, what? where is this fucking episode going? Like, I'm so lost and confused. 
this is so fucking bad. So, so, so bad. Thank God for fucking vodka. So, when you go out to bars and you get drunk, one of two things happens. Either you meet a guy and you end up going home with him, or he comes home with you. Or, you get so drunk that you find yourself on Grinder looking for your next conquest to end the night. And the next thing you know, you're waking up on that twin mattress that's on the floor with no sheets and a snoring, hot-bodied Hispanic guy with no name next to you with a cum-filled condom. Oh my fucking God. Okay, so... I love how I'm, like, breaking it down. Wait, didn't we just, like, say this early? Wait, am I drunk or did I not just already say that part about, like, you either go and meet a guy or you get so drunk? Like, I said that before, didn't I? Or maybe I am drunk. I don't know. Either way, I like, I think I'm repeating myself. But also, you'll find out exactly what I mean a little bit later on in this episode about waking up on a twin mattress on the floor next to that hot Hispanic no-name guy with a cum-filled condom. (laughs) That will all be made very clear towards the tail end of this episode. Hopefully the suspense won't kill you as much as it is killing me right now because like I just want to be fucking done with this shit because this is so fucking bad. God, I can't even deal. (laughs) It was my first Dory Alley ever. Well, at least my first Dory Alley living in San Francisco. Okay, now we're getting into story time. (laughs) By the way, side note, this is actually the Dory Alley story that I actually revealed in last week's episode. Wait, was it last week? God, this fucking cocktail is kicking my ass. I don't think it was actually last week. Let me think for a minute. It was... Uh, I don't know. It, one of the last two episodes. <laughs> the one where I talked about doing my... Oh, no, yeah. So it was two episodes ago. God. Oh, my God. I think I need to make the popcorn soon to absorb some of this fucking alcohol. I can't even think straight. But basically, it's the story that you'll get a little bit more in-depth detail on that I told last week during the awkward sex episode where I actually talked about where I almost had to walk home fully naked about like five to six miles to my house. So this is that story. (laughs) Just, oh God, I give up. I quit. Are we done yet? What the fuck? Of course, my roommate, as usual, was always up for a good time. We ended up going to over to one of his friend's house and doing several lines of, uh, well, you just figure it out. You have to remember I have a son. and I don't necessarily want to talk about those things yet. Cocaine. Several lines of cocaine. <laughs> Listen, my son is legitimately on the cusp of about to be 15, like in the next couple weeks here. And I'm pretty confident that if even if he hasn't done it yet, he knows what cocaine is. And I... Don't give a shit if he finds out about this shit or not. 
Listen, I don't do drugs on a regular basis. I'm definitely a just once in a great whiler, which there's nothing wrong with that if you're being responsible. And by the way, I'm eating popcorn now. I'm trying to soak up some of the fucking alcohol because we all know how that turned out last time. But I just like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I'm like, I just don't want to talk about like, but I, I said lines so clearly you already know what the fuck I'm talking about. I was such a prude back then. Oh my God. So fucking painful. But you know, I will say this though. If you talk about my roommate, me and lines in any sort of the sentence structuring that's in the same sentence, this is not going to have a good outcome. (laughs) Just for the record. But you're about to find out what happens next. Yeah, there was the leather and, you know, everybody was wearing the leather. But in that particular alley, there were things going on that your mother would never want to see. Listen, if there's one thing I've learned, uh, uh, everyone has their fucking secrets. So, you know, I don't know if my mom is into leather. (laughs) Maybe she would want to see it. I don't really fucking know. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is that it's really kind of shocking to people outside of the city or who aren't in the norm. But, you know, honestly, one of the things that I actually have learned throughout this entire My Gay Expose podcast journey is that especially when I do these like fetish slash leather themed episodes, I'm learning that San Francisco actually does have that reputation for being the dirty leather city. And that is just so normal to all of us here. So for those of you who can't really deal with the leather, we all are in it and love it. (laughs) And our mom's watching whatever's going on around the corner in the back alley. (laughs) Oh my God, this popcorn's not doing a very good job of throwing alcohol. As you can tell, I got my next to nothing leather outfit ready to go sidebar i'll post those photos on instagram shortly after this episode airs keep your eyes out for that at exposing my gay god i was so fucking bad at plugging socials back then (laughs) now it's just a little bit more like this If you didn't get your answer read this week, don't worry. Just continue to follow on Instagram at ExposingMyGay. And remember, the funnier the answer, the more likely you'll be read live on the show. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm kind of getting drunk, you guys. This is actually kind of fun to do while recording, but... It was like, hey, check out my outfit on Instagram. Like, I probably at this point had, like, 200 followers. So there was nobody who was actually checking out that outfit back then. You know, maybe I'll actually post it again after this episode debuts. So you can see my fucking slutty-ass leather outfit for Door Alley. My outfit was so small, in fact, that I, the drunker we got at the more high we got, I found myself handing off my wallet and my phone to my roommate, thinking that because he was a little bit more clothed than I and he had pockets, perhaps he could hang on to those things. 
I actually totally should have known better. If anyone out there who's listening to this show right now knows who my roommate is, you know that I should never have given my fucking roommate my wallet and my phone, especially if we'd been doing lines and fucking drinking. That was the biggest fucking mistake that I could have ever made in this story, but honestly kind of makes for a good story. And also just want to point out that I was like, the more drunk we got and the more high we got. See, like I outed myself, even though I was trying so hard to like hide the fact that we were doing fucking lines of blow. (laughs) God. Oh, so fucking painful. By the way, cocktail. Number three. This is like uncharted My Gay Expose podcast territory. I am on my third cocktail while recording this week. Are you guys ready for the end of this episode? Because I have this weird feeling it's going to be extra good because I do actually think that by the time we get to the end, I will be fucking wasted. Well, let's just have to see how all of this shit plays itself out. In San Francisco, we have this bar called The Powerhouse. The Powerhouse had a reputation of the back room. Oh, the powerhouse in the back room. I really actually kind of hope that the powerhouse doesn't come for me because as we sit here in this moment, my show's actually becoming a lot more well-known throughout the city. And so I actually just like, you know, candidly mentioned the powerhouse back then thinking they're never going to hear this. They're never going to know. Will they know now? Everybody fucking knows the powerhouse has a back room where everybody just fucks in front of everybody else and everybody goes out there to sort of, quote, pretend to smoke, unquote. But really, we all know that everybody's just going back there to get a bird's eye view of what's going on. And if you're feeling frisky, maybe just join in. I mean, everywhere in the city, like, has a place like this. Or, I mean, a big... Oh, my God, I'm so drunk. Every big city has a place like this. Am I wrong? Let me know. And, like, if wherever you live, do they have, like, a powerhouse in your area? I'm assuming... I don't know, maybe not. But to me, this is just, like, so fucking beyond normal. Sidebar, I used to work with this guy at this restaurant a couple of years ago. And he was... Well, he is straight. And... It's funny because his girlfriend actually was a hairdresser, so all of her friends were gay. And so since they had just moved here from New York, he didn't have very many friends yet. And so as he and I worked together very closely all the time, he frequented the gay bars and would update me on our shifts on all his fun. Well, I remember this one day he came in and he was like, oh my God, you know that place Powerhouse? course I do. He's like, I went into the back to smoke and I cannot unsee what I saw. His eyes were so big. They were about to bulge out of his head when he told me that story. I'll never forget it. And for me, I was just like, oh yeah, well, there's that. 
Andy! Oh, Andy. Andy, I fucking miss you so much. (laughs) Andy actually moved back to New York. We actually worked together for a while, actually, right before COVID hit. So, yeah, it was really, we had, it was a cute little close, like, straight guy, gay guy relationship where we actually just kind of shared like all of our shit. It was fun. I loved it. His girlfriend was a hell of a lot of fun too. Oh God, I fucking miss those bitches. (laughs) Andy, if you're listening, I miss you. (laughs) Come visit San Francisco. Oh, and then we can get a drink and maybe we can go to the powerhouse and go smoke in the back room. (laughs) Oh my God. I've had way too much to drink. My roommate knew that my friend at this festival would be at that bar as it was one of his favorite places to go. Well, I knew the powerhouse had the reputation for having that back room where anything goes. But what I didn't know was that in a festival such as Dory Alley, that just meant that the entire bar was anything goes. Oh my God, how we've learned as the years move along. Yes, I didn't know walking into the powerhouse that the entire fucking club was going to be one huge giant fucking orgy. And, you know, it was so funny. We walked in looking for our friend, like legitimate, like, where is he? Where'd he go? Like, Pedro, where are you? (laughs) Oh my God. And the next thing I knew, some dude grabbed my arm, pulled me in. And of course, like five dicks were fucking shoved in my face. And I mean, what would you do in that situation? I mean, let's just be honest. I'm pretty sure you'd do what I did next. As we walked in, I, in my drunken stupor, followed my roommate trying to see if we could find our friend. And my arm was grabbed and I was pulled into this huge group of guys that all had their dicks out. Yeah, this is one of those moments where I actually, like, where I referenced early on in the episode, you know, when you go in and you watch, like, a fucking rated R movie when you're, like, fucking 14 and you feel like it's so something that your mom would never want you to watch. I kind of feel like that's what I was mentioning then. But, like, listening back, I'm like, "Eh, that's, like, fucking G-rated bullshit. (laughs) Oh, how times have fucking changed. I just like went in for the kill. I was sucking dick after dick after dick after dick. And oh, I was having the time of my life. A few hours went by and I realized it's probably time for another drink. But as I stated, my roommate had my phone and wallet. I walked around the bar, guys gawking at me along the way. And tried to find my roommate, but he was nowhere to be found. The bar is not very big. As I walked around over and over in my drunken stupor, I still couldn't find him. Where did he go? So I love how I literally am just not understanding why and how I would ever know that my roommate would like you know, after doing several lines of blow and drinking all day and going to a fucking bar, how did I not know that that bitch was going to get kicked out? (laughs) So in all honestly, full, just honestly, honestly, honest E in full on. Oh my God. I can't even fucking talk. 
Oh, this is such a fucking mess. I, I'm just going to apologize right now in advance for all of you, the listeners, for listening to all of this fuckery. I have had a significant amount of alcohol to drink. And I haven't drank in a while, and I think that's why it's kind of hitting me so hard. Oh, God. But long story short, my full-on disclaimer is that my roommate has calmed down significantly since way back when. So this kind of fuckery doesn't really happen these days, but I don't know why I didn't fucking know that he basically, like, was kicked out of the bar or how that wasn't gonna be a thing. And giving him, like, all of my money and my phone or a way to get to money, biggest fucking mistake ever. But, like, reality sets in and says, wow, this is, like, a really fucking great story. Don't you think? I later found out that while I was sucking cock, my roommate was trying to buy he and his friend who had found a few drinks. But for some reason, the bartender was refusing him. And he went to the second bartender to get drinks. As this happened repetitively a few times, my roommate began to get pissed off. And finally... After the third round, he went to his friend and said, Hey, listen, this guy won't serve me and I don't know why. Do me a favor. Go to that bartender and order us a round of drinks. I'll tell you exactly why this guy wasn't. Sorry, I had to go with popcorn back in. You just like absorb a little bit. It's so funny too because the popcorn was supposed to be because I was like supposed to be entertained by how bad I fucking was way back when. But reality is now... I've had so much fucking alcohol that I'm trying to just absorb it. I don't even know if popcorn's the right way to go, but yeah, what the fuck? I don't give a shit. But so truth be told, my roommate is actually admitted full force since this incident, which happened several years ago, that basically he thinks that he was blacked out in the bar and the bartender probably had a run in with him, which is probably why the bartender wasn't serving him. And that actually sounds right because my roommate used to be a fucking hot ass goddamn mess. <laughs> oh my God. So many stories I could tell you about him. I literally could do a second podcast like solely on the experiences that I've experienced with him just for the record, but I won't because I don't want to deem, deem, what's deem, demean, <laughs> God, how am I going to get through this shit? Demean his name. <laughs> oh my God. Love you, girl. <laughs> get me some more fucking popcorn. Hold on. Hold on. And so he did. And that bartender served hit the friend. Enraged by the sight of the bartender serving the friend, my roommate put his thumb over his Bud Light bottle, walked to the bar, shook it with his thumb over the top, called for the bartender, and as he turned, he sprayed the entire beer bottle over him, and the next thing he knew, he was physically being escorted out of the bar. Side note, he's going to kill me for saying this, but he's actually been banned for life from that bar. I mean, yeah, so this honestly isn't the only place that he's ever been 86 for life from. Truth be told, but I'm not going to throw all of his dirty laundry out 
in the world, even though I think I might have actually a couple of times throughout this season. I don't even remember. But I will say this, like, isn't this like, aren't you just like living for this fucking drama? This is fucking gay culture 101. All of this drama makes for these kind of stories that really just make for what it means to be gay in today's society or just shit that I need for my fucking podcast. <laughs> As I sucked three dicks at a time, I felt the back button of my leather thong being unlatched and my thong dropped to the floor. I basically had nothing but a vest on at this point and I began to get fingered. So I just have to know, am I making you horny? Because <laughs> I'm fucking getting horny. I'm like, God damn. I'm like reliving all of this shit. Okay. <laughs> okay. So hold on. Oh, God. Okay. So, okay. Never mind. Moving on. As time went on and the alcohol began to fade, and the crowd began to part as the bar was closing and kicking everyone out, I realized, oh my God, my leather thong is gone. It's nowhere to be found. What do I do? How do I get home? I have no phone. I have no wallet. I have no clothes on. You guys, this is that sheer panic moment that you have because you're fucking high as a kite, drunk as fuck, and realize that you're like half naked and everybody's getting kicked out of the bar because they're closing and you just you can't really like get yourself together enough to know like what to do like I <laughs> I literally was like about to walk out of the bar and like just walk home naked like a five six mile walk completely uh naked I should have done it it actually probably would have made for a better story Okay, so long story short, what ended up happening in a, like, quick recap was I ended up, like, some guy that I was, like, sucking off found my thong. I know I talked about this a couple episodes ago because I, like, brought this up. But, like, and then, you know, when I got my thong, he, like, I really, you know, kind of told him, was like, oh, shit, I, like, I have no way to get home. And so because he enjoyed me sucking his dick so much, he, like, paid for my bus fare to get home. And then I, like, took him home. And, like, kind of sucked him off more, finished him off, or whatever. But, like, I... Can you imagine if I actually did have to actually do that fucking gay walk of shame home completely naked? Oh, my God. That would have been fucking mortifying. But also... <laughs> had to skip ahead a little bit because, like, I was getting a little bored with this story. So we're segueing into what is now the opening story for this original episode, which, by the way, was like eight minutes long, which I never should have ever fucking done. That's like so beyond ridiculous. But also, if you follow along, just notice that I actually I'm like reading off script. And also, this is like the first couple of paragraphs of the opening chapter of my first book, which isn't bad, but like I wasn't really saying it right. And I'm just going to go get another cocktail for this because this shit's about to get fucking real. The intense pounding in my head suddenly woke me. 
as I struggled to open my eyes, which were resisting my brain's direction to open due to the shine of the bright morning sunrise light piercing the room, I realized that I was experiencing up to this point in my life, the most intense hangover ever. So in this moment, I seriously feel like if you were to give me like a fucking Kinsey scale of like the most intense hangover ever from one to 10, you know, obviously one being not that bad, 10 being like the worst, most excruciating hangover in your life, I probably would have said it was an 11. But obviously, as time continues to maneuver through your life and you continue to experience more and more of these fucked up, deranged, messy, and what the fuck just happened type gay walk of shame situations, you realize that this particular moment that I'm talking about right now is actually really just a fucking four. (laughs) That's what two years has taught me. Ugh. My entire body ached, and as my eyes slowly opened and explored the slow spinning room, I quickly realized that my surroundings were far beyond unfamiliar. I squinted my eyes to the crippling blindness of the lights shine through the uncurtained window and tried to access my memory of the night prior and how I ended up in these unrecognizable surroundings. You know, I can appreciate, like, the dramatics of the situation. I am reading from the first couple of chapters of, like, my book, which, by the way, I don't even think it's the same anymore because I've revised it, like, fucking three times. But it's the same idea. But, like, long story short, like, I, it's, it's good-ish. Mm. But also, I found, I kind of felt like I'm, like, whispering. Why am I whispering? Like, what the fuck's going on here? Oh, God. Moving on. Just as I began to play back the hazy night, a sudden shuffle pushed against my body. I gasped as I turned to my right. There was an unidentified naked man next to me, rolling over in his seemingly continued deep sleep. Oh, my God. What happened last night? I quietly scooted my body away from the now snoring mystery guy. What could I have possibly done this time? (laughs) Am I killing you with suspense? Are you getting into this fucking gig? This is the good shit. This is where the shit starts to get really good, you guys. Like, just throwing that out there. But honestly, this is, like, if I haven't said it before, my very first, like, really kind of fucked up gay walk of shame home. So just indulge with me for a little bit because I, to be honest with you, there's so much detail in this first fucking chapter that I wrote. I don't even fucking know how I even remembered any of this shit because I was so fucked up when I woke up that morning. I, I, I don't even know. (laughs) Oh my God. I am fucking drunk. I need another drink. This is that moment of horror that I'm sure we've all experienced at least once in our lives. Yeah, I know. You all have experienced that one moment of horror. Or if you're anything like me, it has been a lot more than just one. (laughs) When you wake up and roll over with a pounding alcohol-induced headache and try to recap the night, but most of it's blank and the shame of uncertainty begins to seep into your somewhat foggy memory. 
the dreaded line of self-questioning begins. You start checking off everything that happened the night before, hoping to connect the dots and put the night back together. Just as I am now. Just as I am now? Just as I am now, I'm not competent enough to like put the night back together (laughs) or the day or what even is going on right now. Oh my God, this is such a fucking hot ass mess. So, I mean, yeah. So do you like the writing? It's kind of good. I mean, it's definitely not the same, been revised. It's completely different. But I mean, even for way back when, I'm still kind of getting into that gig, aren't you? I reached my hand down under the worn and torn tacky quilt and grabbed my dick. Yep, I'm naked. So I guess I had sex last night. I wish I could remember. Ugh, how we don't know. Like, honestly, when I wake up in this kind of a situation, I already know that I've had sex. I mean, it's just a given. Like, don't you think? Like, why was I even second-guessing myself? I began to scan the room in hopes to find more clues about where I was, who this was, and what I did in last night's blacked out and obviously messy state of mind. I was in what looked like a trashy, tiny, cracker box sized dorm room. It seemed to be a very small one bedroom studio and whoever this guy was, it didn't seem like cleaning or decorative taste was his forte. Listen, all of the things that I just described right there in that moment really just translate to probably the most amazing mind-fucking-blowing sex of all time. Because we all know the guys that live in that kind of a, like, situation are always the best lays. I mean, am I wrong? As I looked down, I realized I was in a twin-sized mattress that lied with no frame on the floor. There were no sheets on the mattress. The room smelled like sex and unwashed laundry. I looked to my left and I saw a dirty and dingy lawnmower stained with old dried grass along the wheels. And yes, it was inside the room. You guys, this is legit, like no fucking exaggeration. Like I was on a fucking twin mattress with this guy on the ground, no sheets. And this place looked like a fucking... Uh, beyond trash. Like, literally, the lawnmower was there. This is real. This is actually not made-up shit. This is real. This is, like, the kind of story of my life, to be honest, because, like, again, like I said before, look at this place. This is crazy. I bet the sex was so good. Too bad I don't remember. (laughs) Ah, I made another cocktail, by the way. Oh, this is not going to be a good outcome. On the other side of the room, there was what looked like an elliptical from the 1980s that seemed to be used not for exercise, but instead as a place to drape all those dirty clothes that I think I was currently smelling. The dishes were piled up in the sink as if they hadn't been touched in months. And the trash? The trash can was overflowing with various takeout boxes lined with dry sauces and food particles along with a full bag of trash tied up and lying next to it on the floor. 
Yeah, so in all honesty, I, I can't really trash myself anymore because at this point, the shit's kind of good. And this was really fucking early on, and I actually was kind of reading from script, but I was, like, kind of killing it a little bit. I wish I had, like, a bit more, like, life and inflection in my voice, because I do kind of sound like I'm whispering. But, like, I mean, this is good, detailed fucking bullshit. I can't trash myself anymore. However, I will say that this fucking apartment was goddamn trash. (laughs) Crazy part about this, you guys, if I ever saw this guy out in the world ever again, I wouldn't even know who he was. That's how fucked up I was. Uh, And how fucked up I'm about to get after this drink. However, I looked at him and realized that he was a very attractive and very sexy Hispanic guy with a beautiful body. I mean, at least there was one good thing that came out of this disgusting and misguided situation that I now found myself in. Too bad I can't remember anything. Yeah, it's kind of true. I do actually remember in my daisy haze, like looking over at him and being like, damn, he's fucking hot. How did I land this guy? And then I looked around at the room and was like, oh, okay, that's how. (laughs) Oh my God. I continued to scan his near immaculate naked form. I suddenly looked over and noticed a cum-filled condom still attached to his enormous limp package. Okay, so I did have sex. Uh, duh. (laughs) <laughs> I do have like really vague recollections of going in and out of the sexual encounter like I remember one point he was eating out my ass and I was just like living it up and I was like I'm pretty confident I was snorting poppers and uh, that's really all I remember to be honest but he did have a cum-filled condom on his limp and really big thick dick honestly that's all I remember but like I said if I saw his face out in the world I wouldn't know who he is for sure that explains why my ass hurts at that moment I knew I had to quietly sneak out before this stranger that I had no recollection of interacting with at all whatsoever woke who needs that type of next morning awkward interaction anyway just for the record I've like literally mastered like the sneak out the next morning situation yeah it's kind of an art kind of a skill and I've really just kind of mastered it since so it's so funny to like actually relive this moment and just know that I like didn't really I was like so scared that he was gonna wake up but honestly like at this point in my life like I was like who needs that awkward interaction I would be like, he, he, if he woke up and rolled around and be like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> oh, how times have changed. I quietly stood up and walked over to my clothes, which were draped over a couch arm that clearly had been ripped to shreds on the base by the claws of a cat. Of course, this guy has a cat that fits the aesthetic as well as the smell of this apartment perfectly. Listen, I'm not the biggest fan of cats, but I will say this. I apologize in advance for anyone who I potentially offended. I did not mean to cat 
shame or cat owner shame. That was not the intention of what I wrote here. But I will say this, like, with my luck, because I'm not the biggest fan of cats, I'll probably end up with someone who already has cats. I already know that's in my fucking fate, for sure. <laughs> I quietly dressed myself, keeping a close eye on trashy Sleeping Beauty, hoping that I could make it without waking him. I tiptoed towards the door, still keeping my eye over my shoulder. I turned the doorknob and I quietly exited the apartment, hoping never to see the terror that I viewed within ever again. Except for maybe the guy. Yeah, he was pretty fucking hot. I do have vague recollect. Yeah, he was hot. For sure. I Yeah, I'd so hit that shit again, for sure. <laughs> With my luck, I was about to exit the building lobby into the streets in the part of town that had a filthy bum shooting up on one side of the door and a pile of human feces on the other. That certainly would explain the condition of this guy's apartment. I continued down the old rustic spiral staircase from the worn out insides of the building's interior with a nervous feeling building up in my stomach. If it was the tenderloin that I was about to open the door to, which, by the way, is the most ghetto area in San Francisco, then I would need to call a car and try my best to get out of there as quickly as possible. My bleach blonde hair, denim jacket, tight black skinny jeans, and white designer boat-style shoes were certain to stick me out of place in this slummy hood of San Francisco's pristine, drug-induced, homeless population. Oh, God. <laughs> so when I wrote this, this is actually when I was like kind of new to the city. So this was like a terrifying thing for me. You guys, listen, here's the thing. If you live in San Francisco or New York, you just fucking know there are bums and there are people shooting up on the streets everywhere. You just like ignore it. You walk around it. Honestly, if I walked into any of this shit these days, like I, I mean, I do on a regular basis it's like it's normal it's life it's san francisco you just like walk through i don't give a shit anymore i honestly on every single one of my runs that i do every single day i run through like some of the slummiest parts of town for like a good maybe like 20 minutes ish on my run route and i don't give a fucking shit like i don't feel unsafe i don't feel like it's so funny because this guy actually who's considering moving to San Francisco that I've been in touch with, he's like asking me shit about that. I'm like, oh no, you just like, it's fine. It's like, whatever. You just look. So it's so crazy to see how I felt then. And now I don't give a fucking shit. <laughs> I slowly opened the door to the entrance of the building with hesitation. As I swung it open and the morning light blinded me once again. I looked around in total shock. I was in a super nice area, not far from the Embarcadero, known as the Financial District. This, by the way, for those that don't know, is the area in San Francisco that is closest to the piers. 
Which now that I know my area well, it's like it was I was in the Soma, which is just next to the financial district, which is just by the Embarcadero. But at the time, I didn't have a fucking clue, which now that I think about it, is the Soma part of the financial district? See, I don't even fucking still know. <laughs> OK, I'm just going to drink. Hold on. Ah, Soma it is. <laughs> I was dumbfounded. I was so sure that by the condition of the no-name hot Hispanic guy's apartment that I had just knew that I was about to walk into the scariest parts of the hood. As I began my miserable and regret-filled gay walk of shame to my then Pacific Heights apartment, it was clear that with a dead phone in my hand, and a missing wallet from the night before, that this, for sure, was, for me, rock bottom. Rock bottom? No, girl. No, you just got a taste. Your first fucking taste of what it means to be a gay in San Francisco. (laughs) This was not rock bottom. Uh, Listen, I know so many things that I have disclosed on this show that I have openly admitted our rock bottom and I have felt that rock bottom this was most definitely not that rock bottom but two years ago I thought that this was rock bottom so yeah I've done a lot more that has like gotten me to that rock bottom so if you're judging me you probably should be but also <laughs> yeah just I don't whatever I give up are, are we done with this fucking shit yet <laughs> This, little did I know, and while it was my first, would definitely not be my last gay walk of shame in San Francisco. Oh my God. So yeah, most certainly not my last for sure. But it's so crazy to see that like how innocent and like how crazy I felt in the moment. And then I'm just like, now it's just like, meh, it's like a fucking Tuesday. (laughs) Oh, how times have fucking changed. But Oh my God, you guys, I'm so fucking drunk. I didn't even mean to get this drunk on this episode, but this is really the first time I've been this fucking plastered from beginning to end. And it's just quite interesting to see how all of this like came to full circle. But like, let's just summarize it really quick. I was a hot mess two years ago and now I'm a good fucking podcast host, even though I'm wasted right now. So now what you need to do is find out how I somehow maneuver through all the credit shit at the end of this episode because I'm so fucking drunk. (laughs) Stay tuned. So what do we learn today, boys and girls? Ladies and gentlemen, gays and straights, tops or bottoms, gender fluid and non-binary, transgender and questioning. Well, I'd like to think that we learned a whole hell of a lot 
we learned that I didn't really know what the fuck I was doing two years ago in regards to doing that gay walk of shame or even doing that podcast thing. Or we also learned that I'm drunk as fuck right now and how I actually just got through that little interlude that I've like strategically memorized but didn't really feel like I could get through is crazy. So let's see if we can figure out how to finish this last part. So you guys, I just want to say, if you love this show, give me a call at the official My Gay Expose podcast hotline at 415-501-0401. That's 415-501-0401. Oh my God, I still know it. <laughs> and don't forget to follow on Apple Podcasts and give me a fucking five-star rating and follow on Spotify and don't forget to turn on those notifications so that you can catch wind of each and every episode of My Gay Expose podcast right when it drops. Follow on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Exposing My Gay. And don't forget to check out my website, which includes my blog, A Gay in the Life of Ronnie, as well as all of my written work at RonnieWashburn.com. That's R-A-O-N-I, Washburn.com. And don't forget to... <laughs> I forget. Hold on. Oh, join us next week for another messy, salacious, and relatable episode with me exposing my gay. I'm Ronnie Washburn, and I will drink with you and not remember anything that I'm supposed to be doing right now next time. <laughs> and I apologize in advance for this entire fucking episode, but honestly, I feel like this is probably going to be a, like a big like win for me. So enjoy! <laughs> Thank you.